everything begins to make more sense. I mean, when you think about it, like the materialistic paradigm doesn't make any sense. And it's the one that everybody believes in. And it's insane. It's really just completely insane. The, the materialistic paradigm that if you ask, like, like, if you ask Bill Nye or somebody, you know, they'll have all the answers. I guess the Australian audience may not know Bill Nye, the science guy, the guy with the bow tie. He always appears like on science, science programs. And, you know, he's really, uh, really cynical, really skeptical. I used to like his TV show when I was a kid, but, you know, he bugs me a little bit these days. But anyway, so if you ask somebody like that, who's like really, really cemented into the materialistic paradigm, they'll say, well, we don't know why we're here. We don't know, you know, death is just oblivion. Um, the brain just creates all this illusion. You know, we, you know, the, we, we come out of that illusion. You got to accentuate the positive. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive and Awakening Consciousness with Karen Swain, ATP Media, I call it. I'm so excited to introduce you today to Cyrus. Cyrus Kirkpatrick is an afterlife researcher and he's the author of the 2015 book, Understanding Life After Death, and he's currently working on another book which is Understanding Spirit Communication. Cyrus also is a writer of a travel blog. He's an avid traveller. He travels both physically and astrally. I tell you what, he gets around, this kid. <laughs> and, uh, and he's also helping me out with the Awakening Soul series. So we're putting together a series of books for people on their awakening journey, compiling people's stories of awakening whether it's been through a near-death experience or a spiritually transformative experience or just any life experience, really, there's a series of books. The first one's called Surviving Death, and it's about how people have been transformed and awakened through the death experience. So it could be the death of a loved one or their own physical death in on the operating room or hit by a truck. I've spoken to so many people. Welcome to the show, Cyrus. Hi there, Karen. How's it going? It's good. Oh, I'm good. He's a fascinating fellow. I tell you, the book is interesting. He's also contributing a chapter to our first book, which is called Surviving Death, all about your astral travels. And you've had many of them. Tell me how it all started. Were you reading about it and thinking, oh boy, I want to do that? 
You know, it began when I was a kid and uh -huh. um, my brother was an astral traveler. Well, really, he just went out of body in his bedroom a lot. He had a lot of weird experiences and I think I had a negative impression about it when I was growing up. I think when I was a kid, I first like felt myself leave my body a little bit and it, it, it scared, you know, I don't know what analogy I can use. It scared me really badly. <laughs> so I didn't mess with it for a long time. And then about 2014, it's like the ability just kind of hit me and I was able to start not only going out of body, but then while I'm in the out of body state, warping into some astral state and talking to the inhabitants in those dimensions. And so it began quite an adventure. And so this was early 2014. And you play around with it a little bit, you know, you go into sleep states and you feel those familiar kind of electrical tingles which means that your body is about to disconnect and you can play with that and then slowly learn how to like crawl out of your body in that condition and you get better over time. And most of the time when I go out of body, it's just like, it, it's very mundane. I just, I mean, I'm in here in my bedroom and I just go out and I look around and maybe I walk down the hall or walk through some walls for fun or, you know, I try to scout around, see if I can get some information. And, you know, it's very mundane like that. But sometimes I'll be going out of body and then I'll appear in a different entire environment or I will... Um, so what environment? When you say different entire environment, what environment? Like a different level of the astral like not the yeah, exactly not your like, bedroom and i mean your house there's, and there's, there's all these layers and it's almost like one way to describe it is if you use photoshop you know how they have a layers tool and there's like you can have all these different layers attached to one image well that's in a very crude way of speaking the way reality operates so you can be on one layer which is directly outside of your body inside your bedroom but even then it's not a hundred percent corresponding to this reality it's still like a separate kind of like mimic of this reality but then you can be in other layers as well on top of that and you can just switch between them like very quickly if you want and it's difficult sometimes to explain if people you know are unfamiliar i guess with with the, some of the literature behind this but it's like we are living multiple existences at the same time simultaneously Mm -hmm. So we may be living this life and then we may also be leading a life in the astral and we may be leading multiple lives in the astral. And multiple, sometimes, multiple, multiple. Oh, I yeah, want to talk yeah. about this. I want to talk about yeah, this. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's difficult for our three-dimensional minds to comprehend, but we get pieces of that while we dream. Mm -hmm. So you might be having a dream and dreams are a lot of times it's nonsense. So like, you know, you might be talking to Daffy Duck and you're, you know, are you, and you're, running from Godzilla, like whatever, it's all a nonsense, but hidden beneath some of that mental like brain Boy. fog mm -hmm. is actual information that's leaking in from these other domains. That's why you can have dreams. It's like, wow, like this place is beyond my imagination. There's no way I could have thought of that. But everybody experiences that almost. But so what, yeah. you're, what you're explaining is how creative our thoughts are. Cause yeah. You know, like I've said this in a couple of interviews, when I was young, I read the Seth books when I was in my 20s, right? And there was a line in the Seth books that had me throw the book across the other side of the room. Mm. And it said, every thought that you think becomes manifest. And I'm like, I couldn't wrap my brain around that. Like, I just mm. couldn't wrap my brain around it. And then he goes on to talk about, or they channeled information through Jane Roberts in the 60s, the Seth books. You might be on the phone to a friend and they say, come to lunch. And then you say, yes, no, maybe. So you've had all these different thoughts. 
and every single thought becomes manifest. And of course, I just couldn't understand that. But when you think beyond the third dimension, every thought we're having is a manifestation, is a reality. Yeah. That is a manifestation in some reality. And I, I would say that, you know, you, you can kind of map out these different planes, dimensions, and there is a mental kind of dream plane. And that's where our random thoughts can manifest. Thankfully, they don't physically manifest in this world. And actually, in the astral as well, they don't necessarily manifest, at least not immediately. Um, what tends to happen is that, you know, we still have our internal dialogue, our, our mental state that's in our own minds. So if, we, if we're having random thoughts, it's not all that's going to appear in front of us. If we're in like a lucid dream state, we'll know it because you can, you can manipulate that state as you go along in the dream. So you can decide, I want to go create this celebrity or I want to be in this type of environment. And then it'll change around you as you think it. And then you can kind of explore like whatever your mind comes up with. So, so that's lucid dreaming. A lot of people are big fans of lucid dreaming. There's whole books about that. Astral projection is different. You'll know when you're astral projecting because you're in a real and solid place and your thoughts do not immediately become reality because it's, it's a shared environment just like we're in right now. It's a place where you can meet other people who are not just manifestations of your own thoughts. As far as I can tell in the astral planes, people still dream. You can still go to sleep and have dreams, be back inside of that type of lucid dream environment, but it's not the same thing. And that's one of the first big misconceptions that I like to clear up is that astral projection and lucid dreaming are, are different. Although I think people do astral project without realizing it, and then they think it was a lucid dream. So there's people who have no belief in the afterlife. They're like, wow, I had this crazy lucid dream where I was communicating with my grandfather and we were like in this, like, uh, like in this beautiful house and there are people everywhere. It's like, it's, it's so crazy that my brain created all this. And it's like, no, your brain did not create that. That was your astral projecting. You just didn't realize it. Yeah, look, it's all a projection. I mean, the thing is that when you, we reemerge, and we become non-physical, we can see that this physical reality that we perceive as so real is actually just, it's just another projection. It's just our creation. It's, it's actually our creation. And as you say, a shared co-creation. Yeah. But at the same time, you and I can stand together and be in exactly the same environment and have two completely separate experiences because we're perceiving it different. So although it is a shared environment, perception creates the experience. Mm -hmm. So the experience we have here is how we look at it. But there's a few things that you've said that I want to talk about because, you know, I had a friend who was born in the 60s and she was, her mother took thalidomide, which was a drug they gave pregnant women in those days for morning sickness. And she was born deformed. There were thousands of kids across the uh, planet mm. born deformed. And I think there's like about 40 of them left. They would be in their 50s now. She was very, very ill. She had a lot of internal deformities and she could never travel. And she was one of my best friends, right? And I've had chats with her on the other side, many. And uh, she actually came to me before she died. And I asked her if she was okay because she was in hospital. In a dream, I asked her if she was okay. And she said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I said, show me your scar because she'd had this operation. So she showed me her scar. 
And then she died the next day. And I was really confused because she said she was fine. And then she came to, back to me later and she said, well, I'm fine. I'm just not in my body, but I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah. said I should have asked a different question. I should have mm-hmm. said, are you staying in your body? But, of course, I said, promise me you'll be okay. Promise me you'll be okay is what I said to her in the dream, right? So that was a lucid dream. I don't know. What was that? So I'm talking to her. Her body's lying in a hospital, still alive or still hooked up to some machine. And I'm having chats with her in another dimension and she's telling me she's fine because I'm saying, promise me you're okay. She says, of course I'm okay. And then she left her body the next day. But uh, So I rang her sister and said, she's fine. I had the dream, no problem. And then she dies and I'm thinking, God, I was wrong about that. But Mm. she had this boyfriend who came to me a few months after she died. He wanted to be with her in spirit actually and he said, I'm dreaming about Nikki every night. And I said, what are you dreaming? And he said, we're traveling all over the world. Mm. And I just sat back because she was so sick. She could never travel because she couldn't get insurance and she was really sick. So the likelihood of her getting sick was very possible wherever she went. So she never traveled. And her biggest dream was to travel. Mm -hmm. And he, while he was still incarnate, was traveling with her in, as you've described it in your piece in your book you know the second earth Mm -hmm. and they were experiencing those things that she couldn't experience Mm -hmm. in this second reality as you you say it's real another girlfriend of mine died she committed suicide and one of the things I said to her in my lucid dream as I'm touching her and I'm saying why can I feel you you're solid and I know that we're not in our physical bodies and yet I can touch you like it's real like I can feel you, you're solid. And she just smiled at me and she's just nodding. She's going, yeah. I'm going, that's amazing. Yeah, a lot of times they think that we're kind of crazy because I'll um, astral project you like an environment and then especially early off, I would say, are you real? Are you a solid person or do you exist as part of my mind or is it, or is this world like a dream state? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, are you on some kind of drugs? Of course, what, what, what is not real about any of this? And I think there, there was one guy. I think it was um, he mocked me for a bit because I was I was I was treating him skeptically, and he's he he just thought I was a complete lunatic. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of like the, the examples of somebody you meet here, or like you let's say you're at a restaurant and somebody comes up to you. It's like, are you real? Is this real? Am I real? What you know? Like, how do you think you might respond? It's 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 a bit bit of the same thing. And so that's the nice thing about the second earth, as I call it, is that, you know, there are many, many different astral realms, but one that a lot of people go to is kind of a carbon copy of this world, except, you know, it's fourth density. So it's not, you know, those greater perceptions, greater abilities we have, we're not all getting old and getting sicknesses or any of those types of elements, but it's still, it looks very similar to this world. And there's uh, same corresponding communities or cities. So uh, as an example, you mentioned that they went traveling. So yes, there could be an astral version of Japan. It's likely populated by millions of people. And the difference being is that we're also looking at people from all different points of time. So people who have died 500 years ago, people who have died 1,000 years ago, people who have died last year, all these different people may be... uh, coexisting inside of this astral version of japan so you could walk around and go from like a busy shopping center or a nightclub and then go to like some ancient temple that's been there for a thousand years and still populated by the same people 
who have had their lives for like hundreds of years. So that's, that's the great thing about, about this kind of second earth is that you can experience all different timelines, different uh, cultures, different people. And ultimately, I mean, it's very real and physical, just, just like this world. I haven't noticed any big differences. I've, I've eaten things. I've experimented on myself. I've, I've eaten disgusting things to see if I'd gag. And I've, that, I, even that's happened to me. So we still have our bodies intact. We have all of those abilities. And for many people, not everybody, but, but for many people, this is what they want to experience when they die because they don't necessarily want to like give up their human lives and become like a floating ball of energy or something. They want to, they want to still be part of culture and society. Yeah. So that, that's where that comes in. And it's not, it's not for everybody, but I would say a large percentage of, of people when they cross over, they, they end up in this type of environment. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking of another dream I had years ago because the ones where you're lucid dreaming or astral dreaming, I don't, I don't really know. But the ones, like you remember them, they're really clear. Mm-hmm. But in all the dreams, I knew that I wasn't in my physical body and I was, in, I was somewhere else. I remember being on a boat somewhere and looking at some, going past some land and just wondering to myself, is this real? Am I dreaming? Am I in a dream? Is this real? And then pinching myself and going, ow, yes, it's real, and feeling mm-hmm. the pain, right? And then waking up in my body in the morning and going, oh, no, that was a dream. And again, being confused because I was so checking out that it was real wherever I was going, is this real? Is this real? Yeah, yeah. And then waking up into this linear mind and thinking it couldn't have been real because now I'm here. Not understanding Mm -hmm. back then because I was young in my 20s that, you know, the internet wasn't around then and I couldn't listen to conversations like this and really know that we are existing, we are multidimensional and there are aspects of us, parallel realities existing all the time. And, you know, in the book I've just reviewed uh, my last conversation with Francis, the information coming through is that every thought, like the Seth book says, so say if you're in pain, so you have a desire not to be in pain or say you're sick and you have a desire to be healthy or maybe you're fat and you have a desire to be thin, that version of you exists in a parallel reality. And in order to bring it into this reality, you focus on it. You can do that by dreaming about it and going there, like in your waking state, in a meditation, mm-hmm. like going there and playing inside that healthy, thin, free body and creating the vibration of that. And that man- then you manifest it in this reality because that's how we create. But there are versions of us in every desire. So say you have no money, there's a rich version of you actually living out a life with plenty of money. Mm-hmm. But depending on the dominant vibration we're indulging in here, that's what we get to manifest. Yeah, so, it goes into the you know, multiverse theory as they talk about in cosmology, astrophysics, and it's very difficult you know, to, to comprehend. I have a difficult... <laughs> I know. It's hard for our linear minds to wrap our brains around it, like Garnet Schulhauser, who's written all these books because his spirit guide takes him with his astral body cruising around the universe. You know, He says the same thing. Our puny little human minds find it hard to comprehend the vast the vastness of who we are and the reality that awaits when we're not inhabiting this puny little human mind. (laughs) And, you know, I think it's good to remember that we souls can take it slowly. So we don't have to go from, you know, eating Cheetos on the couch and watching TV to suddenly being some kind of supreme deity. (laughs) Basically we, you know, we, we go very slowly to the point we want 
I mean, yes, some people have NDEs where they talk about, you know, they, they're given all the information of the cosmos, but that doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah. And a lot of of people don't want that. A lot of people, when they die, what, what happens is, and this is, you know, how they've described it to me when I've asked them is that, you know, they kind of go to sleep and then they wake up and they're in, in a new place. So they may wake up in a bed. They may wake up, you know, in a facility, they may wake up with loved ones and they're like, what's going on? Because there's, there's literally, literally no difference. So if you wake up on that side, if you want to know what it's like, this is what it's like, you know, us talking right here, this, this, re- it's not like reality is downgraded or it's not even necessarily upgraded that much, at least not at first. So it's, it's no, there's no difference. You know, you're, you're going to look the same as well. And your appearance will change in time, but you will kind of look like how you did when you crossed over, because that's going to be the kind of carbon copy of your physical body. And now it's in a new physical body, which is the astral body, the astral physical body. Mm. But you know that that will that will change in time. But the point being is that when you die, you may just wake up in a new dimension and be a little bit like confused about what's going on because you won't you, you like you may initially think that you had some kind of like amnesia. Because you won't know like how come I, I one minute I was in the hospital or driving my car or whatever happened before you died, and the next minute like here I am in this new place. There's people around talking to me, and I have no idea what's going on. And then people will come and clue you in on what happened. So there was also a lot much more advanced experiences. I think, especially if somebody's kind of like an quote older soul, and then they cross over, they may go back to their dimension, which could be something completely alien to anything that we can comprehend. But again, I don't feel like that. That's not the majority. And most people, when they cross over, they just wake up. Oof, here I am. What's going on? I've, you know, this is very strange. So that's when people ask me what happens when you die. Then that's that. That that's the gist of it. You know, yeah. it's a look. I, I'd really love to clear this up for people because there's so many people out there asking what happens when I die, and it's, it is as diverse as it is what happens when you're alive. Yeah. People think there is this one place that we all go to like a heaven and and a lot of people talk about it because they've had that experience they'll say this is what happens when you die there's this one place that you go to because that's what happened to me but like I said before you and I could both go to Paris and I experienced something different and you experience but whose experience is right it's just that's your experience well this is my mission um this is the great misconception about the afterlife and then I began to go into this genre and realizing this is what was being taught and it was causing people a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, I made my, my Facebook group is called afterlife topics. And this mm-hmm. is the, the subject that's brought up again and again by people. They feel like my group is the one place they can actually get a coherent answer to the question because they may be on a different Facebook group or maybe they read a book and they say, Hey, I just read this book and it said that everybody has to go to this one place when we die and involves Jesus, and I'm not a Christian, yeah. and so now I'm worried that maybe I should have been a Christian because I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> or there may be a, a different type of scenario where it's like, you know, I read this very Eastern religious afterlife description, and like this guide said that we exist in this state of, we don't need anything, we don't desire anything, and we're in this kind of perfect state of love, and there's nothing, it's, it's like a white blank slate, and we don't have our physical bodies. We exist as like these formless energy consciousness things. And we don't do anything. We don't desire or seek anything. We just exist in perpetual love for eternity. And you'd be surprised how many of these descriptions there are. Mm-hmm. So people read this and then they flip out. 
and they say, you know, I want to see my parents again. I want to see my best friend again. I want to maybe have some semblance of a physical body again. I still want to, I still like chocolate. I want to be able to eat chocolate. And then they go down this whole laundry list and then they're like, you know, I don't want to go to this place. And if that's what the afterlife is, I'd rather there be no afterlife. And it gets, it can get a bit dark sometimes. And what I try to do is clear that up. It's like my book, Understanding Life After Death. It was written with that perspective in mind to mm -hmm. attempt to diversify people's ideas about the afterlife because yeah. that idea, it can, get, it can actually get dark for people and well, it can make them dislike the whole concept. And people, the people who report these experiences, they're not ill-intentioned, yeah. but they're, they're you doing a, a common human fallacy, which is that they have an experience and then they relate it to everybody else's experience. Yeah. It's the most common fallacy in, in the world and it is causing a lot of damage. Yeah. And, you know, and something we do as humans is it's either or. It's either this happens mm -hmm. or that happens instead of inclusive. Like it's exclusive instead of inclusive. What about it's all possible? Like I yeah. say on every email, life is a, a journey of infinite possibility. And we are creating it with the level of our consciousness. Like I was having this discussion with, I think it was Will from Cosmic Awareness, you know, you get to experience actually what you believe when you pass over because your thoughts are still creating your reality. So yeah. those people who do believe that Jesus will meet them in heaven, that's exactly what happens. And I've had many people chat to Jesus and they say, what do you do, you know, in non-physical? And he says, well, I meet a lot of people after they transition. Because <laughs> like there's a lot of people thinking I'm going to meet Jesus when I die. And so, and he's multidimensional too. So when you're non-physically focused, you can be in infinite amount of places, you know, at once. It's not like you, one You blog. can be in infinite, but it, mm. you reach a point where you can do that. It's not something that necessarily immediately happens. So there is such a thing as more advanced or more developed souls. So there, there's a bit of a progression. And I know we can say, oh, well, time doesn't exist. So everyone's at the same. Well, yes and no. It's kind of a hazy subject. But mm -hmm. basically what I'm saying is that when I die, I may not necessarily have that power. But once I've advanced to a certain point, I can begin multiplicity. I can be in different places at once. And maybe somebody like Jesus was such an advanced soul that he perhaps more than others has that ability to be you know, in hundreds of places at once. And maybe many people can experience him in NDEs or have personal relationships with him, even though he is just still one soul, but he has that ability. So I guess the point I'm making is that it's something that you kind of have to, in my, my, in my view, I may be wrong, but it's something you kind of have to develop and earn until you have that advanced level where you can be in infinite places at once, like you yeah. described. I well, think I, think that, I think that all of us have that ability and again, there is no time. It's just levels of experience, levels of awareness. Like you can have a different experience with different level of awareness while we're physically focused. And mm -hmm. when we're non-physically focused, our, our level of awareness gives us levels of experience. Mm -hmm. And you can evolve. Like there's a blog called Channeling Eric. Have you? Oh, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, so Eric describes being dead and what he can do as a dead person. He said, I can be in all these different places at once. You know, there's no limit to me. But, you know, I can only tell you from the people I've spoken to, Natalie Sudman I spoke to who, when she was blown up in a bomb blast in Iraq in 2008, she found herself one minute in the body in a blink. She called it the blink environment because it was a blink. It was like the bomb goes off and in the blink of an eye, she's on some sort of platform speaking to 
thousands of people, groups of people and downloading information. And she instantly knew that that was her mission, that she was physically focused because she was relaying information to this large group of people. And then she went on to have different experiences in different environments within the non-physical environment that she there was yeah. a healing room and she gave them names you know different environment like the healing room and the and the life review room and all these sort of different not that there are rooms but environments so they can be they can be rooms depends yeah can be rooms Garnet talks about in his astral journey journeys he's he goes to this uh, city called Iglesia, I think he calls it where it's, it's exactly like you described, where there are people in human form in all different time, like dressed up in different times because, you know, some look Victorian and some modern and and they're all interacting and they're doing things that you do on earth, like they're going to sing like the, he saw the Beatles playing and right. <laughs> and Elvis was playing. And must only be, there must only be a couple of Beatles though. <laughs> Look, you know, just because we're physically focused doesn't mean we're not hanging out with our dead friends while we're staying. Oh, yeah, we can while we're here as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that either or. It's like we're either here or there, but the truth is we're both simultaneously. We're here and there. Oh, yes, we can be both realms at the same time. But, you know, this is where we go into like the kind of weird, complex metaphysical area because I, I do think that there's some differences because they've at least told me about it that... Um, they can recognize people from earth who are kind of like quote dreamers. So there are people who are uh, not fully in their realm because part of their consciousness is fragmented and it's back in, in, in this realm. Mm-hmm. But if someone's asleep, they're going to appear on that side. We appear on that side, but sadly we, most of the time we can't bring memories back, but they can spot them sometimes because it's kind of like they tend to be like people who we see who might have taken a couple of hallucinogenic drugs because they are having imprints of their life here as well as different layers and like that dreamscape and they're having that in the astral. So I've experienced this myself because I've gone into my roommate's room. My, my roommate lives this way over here <laughs> and out of my body and I've seen him in there dreaming. And so he'll be out of his body and he'll be talking to himself because he'll how do I describe this his body will be lying on the bed. He'll be out of his body, look the same as he always is. His eyes will be closed and he'll be like mumbling to himself, like, blah, 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 because he's having a dream. And so in his mind, all this stuff is happening, yet he's also out of his body. And so if, if that can maybe give you a little bit of perspective about how it all works. So like sometimes if a guide wants to come and visit you while you're kind of in a sleep state, they might come into this dimension on, on the astral side and they'll see you lying on the bed and then you'll be outside of your body kind of walking around like, you know, talking to Daffy Duck, whatever it is you do while you're dreaming, usually a bunch of nonsense. And they, they can't necessarily see the dream. They might be able to if they want to go into your mind, but they wouldn't have a reason to. But they come up to you and they can kind of, they can kind of snap you out of it. And then on your side, you'll see the dream disappear and all the, all the dream imagery collapse and then suddenly you will be confronted with, with a spiritual guide or you'll be having an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. Like, how did this happen? I'm having an out-of-body experience. And then your guide might say, no, I just woke you up. And they'll use that as an opportunity to talk to you. Yeah. So this has happened to me a few times when I've been visited. Uh, I'll be dreaming and then the dream imagery will collapse 
and I'll find myself out of my body, I mean, maybe floating above my body a little ways. Mm-hmm. And then the guide will actually come in and talk to me this way. And they just kind of come in and snap you out of it. Now, the same thing can happen on the astral level. So you, you have like this bustling civilization in the astral. Mm-hmm. You may see people walking around who are kind of stuck halfway in their world and halfway in like their own kind of dream consciousness. And permanent residents of the astral can sometimes identify those people because they're the, they're the dreamers. So they're the people who are still on earth, but they're not fully in their world. And uh, I had an experience like with my first guide I met when during like my first real astral experience, this Hindu guy. And he told me that the boundaries between this world and the dream world and their world is extremely confusing. Yeah. And like, there's nobody who gets out of it without becoming confused by it or not knowing like what's real and what's not. But all he told me was just, just remember that our world is just as real and just as physical as yours is. And he went down to the ground and showed me the soil. And it's like, this is, this is real dirt. It's not in your head. It, it's not part of your dream imagination. So once you're actually here with us, you'll know it. And it's, it's the best feeling you can imagine because you know, you'll, you'll get to really be here implying that, when we astral project, we're not, we're still not fully experiencing their world. We're still tethered to our bodies and our, our brains, which are devices that tether our consciousness to this realm. Mm -hmm. And so because we're still tethered, we can be the greatest astral explorer of all time. I don't know who that is. Could be Jürgen Zieber or William Bowman. I don't know, but even those guys are still partially connected to this world and they're not having the full experience. And it's something to keep in mind because some people may also astral project and find it maybe they're a little bit dreamlike. And they may say, oh, well, the afterlife is, you know, it, it kind of stinks. You know, I don't, you know, I don't have as much perception as I imagined. Well, no, it's because you're still connected to the earth mm-hmm. and you still have consciousness that that's connected to here. It's not until you've, you've completely kicked the bucket. Can you really fully be there? Just as much as we're as solid and grounded here, that's what can happen to you once you fully cross over. But we have to wait until, you know, until we're dead. So, yeah, you know, I don't know how it all works, but um, all I know is that the greater part of us is non-physically focused and there's aspects of us having different lives. So if we're experiencing you like your Cyrus in this life, I'm Karen in this life, Mm -hmm. we're also experiencing all our past and future lives simultaneously. So, Mm-hmm. That multi-dimensional aspect of us is inside all these different bodies, both physical bodies and astral bodies, and it's just yeah. so vast. There's so much, it's and so I mean, vast. what we have is we have like the free will ability, I think, to process all of that so that so that we can lead lives and we can have normal lives and have friends and relationships and hobbies and do stuff that souls like to do, or else I think that we could just get overwhelmed by all that. Yeah. And so I think even, um, you know, a highly advanced spiritual being at some point is going to actually want to escape all of that, reincarnate, become a flesh and blood person so that they can narrow their focus down and you know, meet people and have lives and develop in this way because, yeah, there's infinite versions of ourselves and we're experiencing all these different lives at once and all this crazy stuff. I mean, how much of necessarily handle? I don't know. Maybe you... We're having a few tech difficulties and we're back and the tech issues are better. I was just saying to Cyrus as we stop the recording and I ask my guides to 
fix the technical problem or I just focus in a different way and, and look and see what's happening. And as I focus, oh, gosh, now we're still having some interesting things. I just saw so many people involved in this conversation. Like It's just packed in here with non-physical beings listening to this conversation and being a part of this conversation and, and uh well, I can I can tell you why too. It's because it's not very often that people on Earth have uh, coherent conversations about the way it all works. It's kind of like if imagine if we saw some ants having a meeting about what does it mean to be ants? These humans about have these lives. How do we understand what the humans are doing? Right? We we be very interested. So it's kind of the same thing that they they see when humans begin having coherent conversations about their reality they see it as like wow major progress they're finally talking about us you know so i think it attracts a lot of people to come like come here okay hey bob come take a look at this there's actually you know they're doing a podcast and there's actually they're talking about stuff that you know we know about that you know they never even think about so i think i think it becomes it goes it goes viral very quickly as you're speaking so this is the main crux of the conversation and this is where i've been leading to it's all very well to understand this information and chew on it intellectually, but how does it change us? How does it help us feel more connected? How does it help Mother Gaia evolve? How does it help the evolution, the conscious evolution of the consciousness, which is our reality? Because our reality is the planet and the animals as much as it is the human consciousness. It's all one consciousness. And it's the human consciousness that are fighting with each other and polluting the earth and feeling very separate, separate from each other and separate from her and the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom that is actually holding back the evolution of this being, which is this planet, which is this realm, this earth, this realm. So how has it changed you since you've had these experiences? Well, I mean... I've always known I've had a connection to the other side, probably since maybe I was a kid, even if I didn't fully recognize it. I, I mean, it did solidify the existence of things I already knew about. So it also allowed me to conceptualize and think about things to in, in the past. So before I used to think about the afterlife and the condition, I guess, when your death experiences, and I would think, well, you know, it's a realm of light and love and yada yada but now i think about the afterlife it could be anything you know i mean i've I've astral projected into like a replica of los angeles i feel like i could i could draw like a map of the place because it's you know like there's familiar streets but there's also like different architecture different buildings different places and so i think well that could be the afterlife as well and then you know i I was in this kind of higher plane that time like in this temple that was like the first big experience i had and i'm like well that could be the afterlife or it could be you know higher realms that i i can't comprehend so in the past i couldn't really wrap my mind around the afterlife and all its multiple types of environments and forms right but now i can i'm able to do that and also since we didn't really go into this like since my mom passed away with her and i've i've helped her and i've been to like a uh kind of psychiatric care facility in the astral where she was admitted to. And I've been able to visit her and talk to her nurses. And I've also been able to do that through a very talented medium. I feel like I literally am leading another life on the astral. So it's not like we're talking about this conceptually. It's like, I can remember when I was there, like I saw my mom a couple of weeks ago, like I was where she lives and like trying to reach out to her and help her a little bit. 
And so it's not like it's some thing that's disconnected from my ordinary life. It's more like, you know, yeah, I was there last week and, you know, I did this and met with these people. And, you know, so it becomes much more normalized, you know, and I think that, of course, also greatly affects one's perception about death. So whereas in the past, I may have still had some uncertainties about dying, hopefully won't have them for a very long time. But now I have even less fear, less uncertainty about that. So you're, you're a dual citizen. Dual citizen, right, exactly. <laughs> you're a dual citizen. Yeah, so you're hanging out here and you're hanging out on a specific level of the astral with your mom and it's both as, it's as real as, yeah, so it's like being, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting, interesting perspective. It's Because I think you're right. I think that when we become physically focused, the fact that we don't remember that we're multidimensional gives us that ability to focus in one place and it's hard yeah. enough to be here and focus on what's here to lead a good life so being focused in two places actually is is upping the game if you like it's making it more Mm -hmm. difficult or it's just upping the rules to the game in a way yeah yeah and i actually wish i could have a better connection though because still if i if i project i can usually keep it for like 20 minutes at most because i am i'm constantly being pulled back into this reality and it's because of the brain. I mean, that's the whole point of this device is that it's keeping me tethered. And I'm wrestling with that the whole time. And I would love to just have like free access for like a couple of hours even without always fighting off. Like, because it feels like you're just being sucked back in. And I hear some people like have fear because they say, oh, if I go out of body, you know, what if I can't get back in my body? It's like, no, you don't have to worry about that because it's the opposite problem because you go out of your body and your body wants you to go back into it and it's pulling you back in and you have to remain focused and attentive while you're astral projecting or else, you know, the experience will end. And the big difference, like with like a near death experience is like once, once you have like a solid connection becomes a lot more memorable, even still when you're going out of body on your own, it's like, there's a lot of difficulties and yes. So when it comes to like, you know, being a dual citizen, like while I am, I really wish I could spend just a couple of hours there and not not deal with some of these these mental issues. But I think everybody who projects has has these problems sometimes. And I don't know. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. Well, I don't know. I don't. To tell you the truth, I don't. I haven't projected in a deliberate way like you. But I've had plenty of experiences. So mm-hmm. I had the experience of being in a dream, and I was in a classroom, and I was asking my teacher how do I move from one dimension to the other? And she was showing me um, putting different lights in different parts of my body, different light, different, different colours and different lights, mm-hmm. sort of in different chakras, I suppose you could call them. And then I woke up into a new environment and I was greeted by this Indian man who I'd read about in Peter Richelieu's books. And I looked past him and Shirley MacLaine was sitting at a table and then the next minute I'm sitting at the table with her laden with goodies, you know, and Sort of, sort of luxurious sort of food and everything. And I said to her, can you drink when you're not in your body? <laughs> like I'm holding this liqueur, right, because this man had given it to me. She goes, oh, yeah, you can't get drunk. That only happens on earth, right? And I said, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, I'm one of your teachers. And I said, are you? And she said, oh, God, Karen, is it any coincidence that mine were the first books you ever picked up? And I go, oh, no, I guess not. And then the next experience was I felt like I was in an earthquake. And I looked around because there were different people at this point at the table. I said, what's happening? And I was back in my bedroom 
And like your astral projection, I could see through all the walls and I could see my daughter who was about eight at the time waking up and she was coming down the hallway to wake up my body and I realised that my consciousness, for a better word, was coming back into my physical body because my daughter was about to wake me up. Oh, I see. I came back into my bedroom. Do you know, I didn't see my body slipping in the bed because I was in my body and out of my body simultaneously. So Mm. I wasn't looking at my body, but I was looking through the walls and seeing my daughter wake up. And Mm. I could actually see through all the walls and see the suburb and everything was just transparent, like translucent and transparent. Mm, wow. And I realised that I was seeing life from a non-physical perspective as everything is energy and information, not through the physical eyes but through whatever eyes I was looking at, yeah. <laughs> like however yeah. I was looking at it. So I don't know if that's called proje- actual astral projection or yeah, not. Yeah, you were still. I mean, I would actually redefine astral projection. I'll, I'll get to that part in, in, in just a moment. But I think it's funny how you're asking like these specific details, like, can I get drunk here? This is what I do. I always ask these specific details. I've actually had a different answer. I've been to a bar once and people were drinking and getting drunk. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't have, I don't, I don't know anymore. Like what's what, what, what's what I tend to find that very few answers are set in stone. But drunk and, is a state of mind too. Cause I remember when I was, a, when I was a drinker, when I was younger, mm-hmm. being drunk, And then something terrible would happen. Like I remember being at a party and there was a fire in the kitchen and sobering up instantly and and going straight into, right, you do this and just orchestrating. And and I was very young, really like on point, on the ball. And yet five seconds before that, I was like rolling drunk because I'd been drinking all this wine and stuff with Mm -hmm. kids because we were having this party, right? So I realised that it's just a state of mind actually and that you can control it. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, what any substance does, it it alters the connections, I suppose, that that your consciousness has. And the brain is the thing that regulates those connections. And my personal theory, I may be completely wrong, but like if I'm projecting, I guess still have a physical body, it's an astral copy. I I think, you know, we still have active brains in the astral because the purpose of of the device is to regulate consciousness or else you're just going to be overwhelmed by everything hitting you at once. So you have to have like a brain mechanism to regulate that. And something they always say on the astral is that we think it all came here first, but no, like everything that we're familiar with originated on the astral. So that includes our bodies. That includes things like our brains, our nervous system, our organs, really physical, and that only exists on this side, actually originated probably long before us on the astral. So at some point, consciousness created the brain mechanism as a way to regulate these different levels. And then you can alter it by certain things that you consume. And so on that note, I will say it was a great story that, uh, the, that you know, the great astral explorer Jürgen Zieber shared on, um, on my forum, Afterlife Topics. To people not familiar, he, he wrote the book Multidimensional Man, as well as Vistas of Infinity. These are probably the two best books about the afterlife in existence, in my opinion. But I will continue on. He was discussing how when he projects, sometimes there's like a group of people that he knows and they'll actually take psychotropic substances on the astral side. So, so not on this side, but on the astral. So he said, this is a good way to have these uh, psychotropic experiences is to go to the astral side and then, and then uh, take some peyote. To take some peyote? Uh-huh. What's peyote? Uh, peyote, like like a powerful hallucinogen, like oh. peyote or ayahuasca or something along okay. those lines. Okay. So so what he said is that people on the astral will will eat 
that stuff just like they do here. And then you'll have like this big cosmic transcendent experience. So he said a safe way to experiment with ayahuasca or peyote is to, is to go to the astral side, find a group of people who are taking it and eat some, and then you'll have this, you know, transcendent experience. It reminds me a little bit of the, of the film Inception because you're having a layer upon a layer happening, you know? So, so you, you, you're in your body and then you're projecting. And then while you're projecting, you're going a layer, layer deeper by taking a substance. So that shows you that things that you eat will still affect like your brain chemistry on the astral side so that you can have certain experience back to alcohol. I, su- I suppose that's the same thing, but maybe for some people it doesn't work on them. You know, they may have like a block or they feel like it's wrong. I don't know. So, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, people are immune to those effects, but I do know at least because I, I trust his, his reports that you can take substances And I can see how that could be a problem, you know, especially if somebody crosses over who's like an alcoholic. So, you know, I don't know. There must be a lot of different elements to this. And there must be different areas and places where some things maybe are allowed and maybe some places where it is where it isn't allowed. I don't know. Uh, So where was I? So, yeah. um, Right. Yeah, look, it's it's fascinating. and And I suspect that our higher self is orchestrating all of it. If we're multidimensional and there's many different aspects of us having all these different experiences, I guess that our higher self is the overseer or the oversoul, or Seth said the oversoul, that is, you know, orchestrating the different experiences in accordance to what we're trying to achieve. I suppose that uh, many people say that we come to Earth to experience the experience of Earth or the experience of it and that no experience is good or bad from that perspective. It's just an experience Mm -hmm. and then we make of it as we will. I'm going to come back to that question. How has it changed you as a person knowing all this and and having these experiences? And you talk about just go over to the, just astral travel and do this. It's like anyone can do it. At this point, I can't do it. I can't just go and astral travel you seem to be able to but i can't it's funny though well I, I i feel like i am able to i also intentionally i don't do it the most common times that i astral travel is if i'm taking an afternoon nap like if i'm back from work early or if i'm not working that day and i you know i lay on my bed and i fall asleep like i know it's going to happen and i'll actually be like okay no i don't want it because i'm tired i want to take a nap i want to wake up i want to be productive and this is going to hijack my entire day and you know so i set an intention not to do it but then now i may decide okay well i haven't done it in a while so let's see what happens and you know then something will happen so to go back to your question again in regards to how it changes me well i mean i would say there's no there's no negative element to it i mean understanding this stuff it eliminates your fear of death it, everything begins to make more sense. I mean, when you think about it, like the materialistic paradigm doesn't make any sense. And it's the one that everybody believes in. And it's insane. It's really just completely insane. The, the materialistic paradigm that if you ask, like, like, if you ask Bill Nye or somebody, you know, then they'll have all the answers. If I guess the Australian audience may not know Bill Nye, the science guy, the guy with the bow tie, he always appears like on science, science programs. And, you know, he's really cynical, really skeptical, I used to like his TV show when I was a kid, but, you know, he bugs me a little bit these days. But anyway, so if you ask somebody like that, who's like really, really cemented into the materialistic paradigm, they'll say, well, we don't know why we're here. We don't know. Death is just oblivion. The brain just creates all this illusion. Uh, we, you know, the, we, we come out of that illusion. 
the universe is all there is. We don't have any answers. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what we're doing. We don't, you know, nobody has any answers. Nobody knows anything. And, you know, the, that answer, it doesn't make any sense. And when you live in that paradigm, I think it, it can cause a lot of pain, a lot of depression. And that paradigm can also linger into you, even if you're fully immersed into like, into the, into these topics, these realities. Um, the more you get away from that, the, the less stressful life is, the easier it is to handle complex questions and ideas because, because this paradigm actually makes sense. And with this paradigm, we're able to explain some of the big mysteries. We don't get to, we don't have to say that it's all an accident or we don't know why we're here or what we are or what consciousness is. Like all those answers are available in uh, afterlife research. So the more that you understand the afterlife, the more you understand life. And when you understand life, you have a lot less anxiety. It's a shame that the vast majority of people have no conception of these things, if maybe only at a, on a passing level. And that's, that's the big problem, I guess. And it is changing. It's a lot better now than it used to be, but it's still, it's, it's really bad, you know? <laughs> So I mean, it helps me. It, like some people even bring up a criticism. It's like, well, if you know there's an afterlife and it's so great, what keeps you from just killing yourself? It's like, mm -hmm. whoa, hold on a second. You know, I mean, personally, I feel like this knowledge would have the opposite effect because I think that certainly depression can be exacerbated by the idea that we live in a meaningless universe where nothing matters and uh, morality is completely relativistic and we have no um, higher purpose. So when you are able to realize all that stuff is, it provides a whole new purpose to, to someone's life. Yeah. So I think that's very beneficial. So I do get emails all the time. You get the skeptics saying, you know, I know there's no afterlife. If there was, it would destroy society because, you know, people would all want to kill themselves and go over there. And Hey, you know, it could happen. People have free will. Somebody may get all this knowledge and be like, I'm done with this planet. I'm out of here. But I think the vast majority of the times, you know, it'll have the opposite effect. So, I mean, so yeah, so I, to summarize, it definitely helps me overall in multiple levels. I, I definitely don't, don't feel anxiety about life. Well, I do feel anxiety about death, but it's not like the overwhelming existential anxiety that most people have. And I think on a society level, it, it, it could help anybody. So that, that, that's my point of view. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. No, I think that's really well said. Uh, I think that's very well said. It, you know, when you understand that this is not the ultimate reality, then you stop obsessing over whether you're thin or fat or rich or poor or if you've got a big house or a small house or a car. You know, you stop obsessing over the material, the stuff that is here in this physical reality being the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is so much greater than the stuff you know, what you're eating or what you're wearing. And in this reality, the vast majority of humanity is obsessive. It's a, They're obsessed with, mm -hmm. you know, what you look like and what you're wearing yeah. and what you're driving and what you're, how much you're being paid. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a dream. It's all just, they're just toys in the, in the, in the toy shop that you're playing with and they're meaningless. They're just tools and toys for a greater expansion and awareness, you know, we're here on an evolutionary expanded awareness and um, not to get swept up in how many, 
how much stuff you have. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 the relationship that materialism has with materialism. Mm-hmm. Right, there's a two there's the two materialisms. Mm-hmm. Right, there's materialism which is being obsessed because you have a five hundred thousand dollar house and your neighbor has a six hundred thousand dollar house. You feel jealous, and then there's materialism of believing that consciousness is an illusion and that, that we are our brains, which is the Western paradigm, mm-hmm. which you know, which is basically a cancer on society. Mm-hmm. So those two materialisms go together, and then they feed off of each other. And so people actually play into this for the purpose of, you know, gaining more power, having more wealth. They wouldn't necessarily want to see like a big shift happen. Like, so big powers that be would not want to see a a huge shift happening of consciousness because of the relationship of materialism with materialism. So they would prefer people to be asleep because they get to maintain their power and their wealth and their big corporations and all that. So it's in their best interest that this whole topic stays on the new age aisle. They just love the new age shelf. And I, I don't know what you have in Australia, but in the U S we have Barnes Noble and the new age aisle is where all the books go, where if you're just feeling goofy and you walk into the bookstore late at night and you can pick up something and have a laugh like that, that's what they love because it's all relegated there. So it's separated from science philosophy separated from history it's just there in the new age aisle you can explore some crazy ideas but don't worry you know we got bill nye with the bow tie he'll come in and tell you that all that's nonsense (laughs) you know and and it's we just have you know it's our way that's what's going on and you you can can just put all that stuff aside but if you're feeling goofy it might help you we won't deny that it may have a psychiatric use and may help you psychologically but don't worry it's not real and that's that's a narrative that all of us are told and you know it causes a lot of problems yeah i think you know here's the thing cyrus okay that's that's in the new age aisle in barnes and noble but there's a thing called the internet and i've been putting out these shows now for a couple of years i've actually only youtube them for about two years it took me about 10 years to get over myself and put my knob on the camera because i used to be behind the mic on a radio show right and I've noticed what people are looking for. I've noticed what people are looking at on my show. So the people, any show I do about the afterlife gets so many more thousand views than other shows I do about spirituality and consciousness and awareness. And so there is this vast movement in the mainstream of people looking for evidence that there we are more than this physical body that we go on. And I realised that when I interviewed Nancy Rhines, she, uh, maybe a year or so ago, she's an atheist that was hit by a truck and she had a near-death experience. And, and like, there's been about 60,000 views on that YouTube alone. And some of her other interviews have had like 100,000, 200,000 views. Just, she was an atheist. So she was the bow tie sceptic, you know, she was mm-hmm. a scientist. And then she had an experience which proved beyond her logical brain that there was something else going on. And so people are looking at that. So there is this thirst inside humanity in the West. And I say only in the West because Eastern philosophy is kind of down with that we go on and reincarnation and all that sort of thing. It's just the West that people Mm -hmm. are looking for. So although it is the new age all the internet is really changing that so. yeah the internet has changed that um i definitely can tell the difference well i guess i'm a little bit too young to have 
too many memories of life before the internet. I guess I, I do remember when <laughs> I was 10 or 11. <laughs> Maybe I had a passing interest in some of these topics, but it definitely wasn't something that people had. Now, finally, anybody can put on Google what happens when I die. And so that that's a big deal. Anybody can join that conversation and begin learning things. And, you know, it's a tough process because it also, you know, depends on where you get your information from, too. Because mm-hmm. somebody may find like a religious fundamentalist page and they may go in that direction. Or somebody may find something by like the spiritualists, you know, some of the kind of grounded scientific work, you know, like um, thinking like this, like the SBR out of England, you know, the mediumship research. Mm-hmm. Or somebody could even go into like NDEs. You have like the AWARE study and Sam Parnia and all that good stuff. And so a lot of people get the information that way. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it all doesn't add up completely. You get people fighting a lot, people saying, no, the afterlife is this way. No, it's this way. It's that way. And I've dealt with a lot of that. I have something now, you know, they, they have something that they can, that they can research and put their teeth into instead of just like going with that materialistic paradigm. Yeah. I was, I would, there's so much more to say, but I'm just looking at the time. I don't even know how long we've been talking mm. probably for about an, over an hour. Have we? Hour, hour and 10 maybe. Oh, Okay. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And I suppose if you're interested in talking more about it, you can join the Afterlife Topics on Facebook group if you're on Facebook. Sure. And you can talk to Cyrus there or you can join one of my many groups on Facebook. I've got a few of them. The Inner Sanctum is where we discuss a lot of this stuff. That's a webinar series that I put on where I invite different guests that I speak to on the show to come and we and we look more in depth into the issues that we're talking about. But I just wanted to say to you, you know, one of the ladies that joined the Inner Sanctum she googled what happens when you die because a year ago she was so depressed that she wanted to kill herself and she was like if I'm going to die what happens and so that was her thought and she started watching a whole lot of YouTubes and she found my show and it actually completely transformed her life and so the awareness of and, and you were talking about this when you find out you can either go oh it's so much better over there and kill yourself and want to go over there or you can actually start to enjoy your life more here and that's exactly what she did she just decided you know she she was listening to a whole lot of spiritual teachers talk about you know life beyond this life but when we have that expanded awareness what we can achieve when we're here you know when we're connected to the love that we are beyond this awareness the infinite possibility the joy the exuberance the bliss we actually have more powers of manifestation to enjoy our life and to create what we want when we understand that this environment is a fluid environment and we are creating it. And she now loves her life and she has this experience of having this ecstatic experiences and she's now connecting to her guides and chatting to her guides, spiritual guides. And she, you know, one short year later for going from depression, I want to kill myself, she's loving her life. Yeah. And that is from watching shows like this one and many other shows on this topic. So that's the benefit. And now she's reaching out in her own blog to help people that are feeling depressed and to bring them awareness of what's possible because she thought if it could happen to me, I can help others. I can show others my journey. So, And I will say, I know we're wrapping up, and that's a great story, by the way. It dovetails nicely in what we were talking about. Um, I will say just a quick thing for people to wrap their minds around real quick. 
which is people process this information in different, different ways. ways. Yeah. And so one reason that people are so turned off by like the new age movement is because it tends to be uh, focus a lot more like on the emotional or right hemisphere of the brain, as they say. So it's more imaginative, emotional, et cetera. But some people are very left hemisphere and they want the facts. They want the evidence. They want the proof. And so like with the work I do, I'm always going to gravitate a little bit more to the, to the left hemisphere, more about evidence, more about facts, more about proof, because I think there's a lot of people who benefit a lot from that. And mm -hmm. that, that's the way that I feel like I've been able to help to reach out to people who wouldn't normally have any interest in the subject. Because if I say, look, we, we, there's all these studies, then, you know, we had this mediumship research in, in England, and then, you know, we have the AWARE study, and, we, and it, it's the thing that finally helps some people to begin looking into the topic and taking it seriously. Yeah. So I think my, my criticism, especially with the new age movement is that it focuses way too much on the emotional right hemisphere. And there's just a lot of people who need the, the, the logical side with it. And I think once people and authors and more people begin reaching out to the, uh, I guess the left hemisphere, then the more people are going to be able to begin processing this information. And also it, it does result in a much more meaningful life, like, like your friend described. Yeah, look, it's true. My awakening journey was uh, I couldn't come at religion. I wasn't brought up religious, but when I looked out at what religion was saying, it just didn't make sense to me. It wasn't logical. No. And so I just didn't bother with it. And then I started reading Deepak Chopra, but I was still a seeker, like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Asking a million questions. And Deepak said there's an infinite field of possibility, however he coined it, the matrix or what does he call it? Anyway, it was so many years ago I read his books and he called that God. And I remember thinking, now that I get, you know, yeah. so I really it reached me through the logical mind, you know, reading because he was a scientist and a doctor and he could take those Eastern philosophies and poetry and the poetry of Rumi and he could talk about it in a very logical way and very scientific way. And, yeah, that's how it reached me. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's making sense to me. I can, I can digest yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's a small example of, like, reaching out a little bit to the logical side because a lot, of, a lot of us need that, especially people who consider themselves to be skeptics. I mean, ask me about Bigfoot. I mean, I'm skeptical about a lot of like paranormal topics, ironically enough. It's kind of fun. I could be having a conversation with somebody and I could be like making fun of Loch Ness Monster, you know, who knows what. And they would never guess that, you know, something I also do is I'm an author and I have a community about the afterlife, you know, but, but skeptics like myself, like we have to have, we have to have the evidence we also have to have the personal experience, but to get the personal experience, like we have to first accept that it's possible. And so we need the evidence. Well, the, the thing is that with what we're talking about, the personal experience is the evidence because you no. cannot bring back your personal experience and say, and say to somebody, I have evidence for you. I can show you, you can touch it and smell it. And, you know, evidence in our third dimensional paradigm is something that we can see, hear, touch, smell, and taste, mm -hmm. you know, like we can't do that. We can read about it. But we can't, we have to have that experience ourselves. But, you know, opening our minds gives that access to experience because like mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer famously said, when you believe it, you'll see it. And mm -hmm. so our beliefs create our reality. And as we lock into a certain box of belief, we experience only that. So when we open our beliefs and open mm -hmm. our minds, we get to experience 
that vastness that we were talking about before. And it, it, it may it may take a scientific experiment to open up somebody's mind. Like I think, like Dr. Gary Schwartz, he has those uh, that the photon detection unit where he's able to detect the presence of spirits who come on a scheduled time and emit photons in a, uh, in a in a room that's completely dark and sealed off. I mean, these are things that you can't you know you can't fake. And so you can look at that and say, well, this is a concrete scientific study about spirit communication. So, and now you've just opened it, open up those possibilities to somebody who may not otherwise believe in it. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a big deal to me. And it's definitely a mistake trying to reach those people by just by giving out platitudes and being like, mm -hmm. Oh, you know, we're all one mind and consciousness and love and light. It's not going to do anything for those people. And it wouldn't do anything for me, frankly, like I need the evidence. I mean, the thing that one, one of the things that helped me on, on this journey of mine was Victor Zamet, you know, the lawyer presents the evidence for the afterlife. I mean, he, he's from Australia. So I think a lot of people probably know who he is or who's, who are watching, but that's like, one of the things that, that helped push me on, on this path because he lays out the evidence. Here's Ian Stevenson, the reincarnation work. And you have Xenoglossy, people born and can speak Mandarin. Nobody knows how. You, you have uh, like the mediumship, which is one of my big topics. Like there's so much more I could talk about, but I know we're out of time. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons we're putting together the book series because I think that, you know, when you read different people's experiences and their transformative experiences, it starts to allow you to open, just like it helped Gloria, who's in our inner sanctum. Just hearing all these different experiences from different people just allowed her mind to open. And, well, it is evidence. It's evidence in that it's their document of their reality. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, hearing people's stories really helps. That's why I have the show. It really helps awaken and evolve people. And and thank you for all the work that you're doing, Cyrus. It's so great. And, well, thank you, Karen. <laughs> and we'll put your website underneath so people can find out more about you. And thanks yeah. for being on the show. But I also have afterlifetopics.com. It's just a blog that goes with my Facebook page. There's some new topics coming up there. In fact, I have an article coming up. It'll be up in a couple of days, which is actually about sex and the afterlife. So you might want to check that one out. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's some content. And of course, my Facebook group as well, which is Afterlife Topics. Thanks a lot. And remember, if you too want to explore more of this and be a part of our inner sanctum and learn exactly how you too are the creator of your reality, I really love to talk about how we flow our energy, how we can expand our consciousness and be the creators of our world because we are all one, we are a collective. And so as you create in your own experience more joy and bliss and a better life, you actually contribute to the whole and as you contribute to the whole, everyone benefits. If you want to join up for the Inner Sanctum, it's by subscription. It's only 22 Australian dollars a month, which is like 15 American dollars. So it's not expensive at all, but it gives you access to me and my guests. Join up and please subscribe and like our channel and join us on social media, Facebook and Twitter and all those delicious places. Check out my website, karenswain.com for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors. Join us in the inner sanctum and thanks for joining me for another show. Bye for now. Clap along if you feel